This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 912 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you, one day at a time. Greetings, horse people. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is an excerpt from the weekly horse health report on horses in the morning. The Hit'em crew is joined by Dr. Mark Renz from the University of Wisconsin to have a talk about weeds. And we'll get right to our tip after this shopping tip from equestriancollections.com. Hi, Glenn here from the Horse Radio Network, and I have Debbie from Equestrian Collections back with me to talk about a product that I could really get into, a driving product for a change. (laughs) Yeah. Hi, Glenn. Um, This week I'm going to talk about uh, the Intrepid Wagon Master Driving Horse Blanket. I didn't even know this This existed, so I'm excited. pretty unique product that they have made, and the, the uh, company that has this is up in uh, Amish country, and uh, there's quite a few driving people up there. And what this blanket is designed for, it's not for while you're actually driving the horse. It's for when he is stopped. So for they call it for hitching up, you know, like if, if you were the Amish folks and and they hitch up, then you can put this on. But, you know, it's also good for if you're at a driving show or if wherever you are, there's a lot of standing around <laughs> in driving. Yes, there is, and, actually. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and in this is easy on and easy off, and you can keep your horse. been driving him, and he's a little warm. You can throw this on him. It's designed to be wicking. Um, the thing goes over top of the harness, so there's a little bit of, um, of air allowed between the harness and the blanket and it allows for all kinds of moisture wicking so that you're not going to have an overheated horse because you have a a sheet on him so it's really designed for that which i thought was really unique um it has um the two belly bands sir single it's an easy um easy release and i see it's 360 grams of fill this is one heavy blanket. this is meant to you know for cold weather Yes. Yeah, it yeah. is, and um, and especially meant for if you're working your horse in cold weather, right? And then you're not, and then you stop. Well, and and you gave a good doing. example. The Amish do that; they'll park at a store and leave the horse out there for an hour. So, uh, and also carriage uh, the folks who have carriage uh, driving. Yep. Um, businesses or taking to weddings yeah a lot of people have have, um in my breed you know a lot of uh, our gypsies are used for driving and um a lot of people use them to drive people to their weddings this is perfect for that because there's some standing around while you're waiting for them to come out and all that stuff so this was such a unique product and i think the driving sport is getting bigger and bigger and i know in my breed it's huge and it's only seventy six ninety five. So it's if you drive your horse, this is something that you should definitely look at having in your arsenal. And it comes in all the regular sizes. It it um, it measures. You measure just like you would, um, you know, a regular horse blanket. And that is can be found at EquestrianCollections.com. The Wagon Master Driving Horse Blanket. Just search for Wagon Master, and I'm sure it'll come up. And if you're if you are into driving and you're not listening to the driving radio show yet, you can find that at Horse Radio Network. I host that with Dr. Wendy Ying. So that's EquestrianCollections.com. 
Well, we have today with us assistant professor of, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, which sounds really cold, and his name is Dr. Mark Rents. Good morning, Dr. Rents. Good morning, and you're right. It is very cold up here. I love it that Jennifer wrote here that you are a weed scientist. Do you call yourself a weed scientist? I do, I do, and it is kind of a unique uh, position, and I get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, hassles. A lot I of bet you do. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think it's I think it's a really you know is appropriate. I'm interested in studying plants that aren't supposed to be there, and that's what a weed is, and and trying to develop and educate people on how to manage. Um, those plants so they don't cause problems, you know, like for horses, toxic, poisonous plants is, uh, is a big concern, and that's one of the things that we work on. All right, let's talk about hay well, and weeds and yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> now, I'm a horse husband, and one of the fears uh-huh. that we horse husbands have, especially when our wives are away, is we get this list of things that we're supposed to do. And one of the things we're supposed to do is feed hay. But now, not only are we supposed to feed hay, with our lack of training, we're also supposed to determine whether the hay is moldy, you know, whether there's weeds in there that they shouldn't have, that kind of thing. So what am I supposed to look for? Well, you know, it's a challenge, and I think, you know, one of the reasons it is such a challenge, and, and this is where I uh, come off with full disclaimer, is I'm a plant person. So I love plants, I'm into plants, and I understand that, but are you a plant person? No, you're, I'm no. guessing you're an animal person, right? No, that's correct, yes, who has to so, actually you know, feed I, plants to my animals, yes. That's right, and, and so there's just not a lot of knowledge that's out there, um, and plants are really unique um, creatures, you know, they do some, they are very different than animals. But I think that, you know, understanding in that hay, understanding just a few simple concepts can really help you understand, like, well, is this hay good? Is it not? And I've kind of come up with a list of three things that you should be kind of looking for. Okay. Um, but, you know, first off, I think the key point to realize is horses need decent quality forage, hay but they don't need dairy quality um, forage, you know, which is pure alfalfa most of the time. So I'm guessing most of your listeners and other people are feeding a mixture of legumes, which we call that could be alfalfa or other clovers with grass. Is that what you're feeding your animals? Yeah, we, we actually don't even do the alfalfa mix with ours. I think Jamie does, but we don't do the alfalfa mix with ours only because we have two fat horses that would, you yep. know, yeah. Yeah, and so, and so I think that... Uh, the the misconception a lot of people get is they need this ultra-high uh, dairy-quality hay, and that's not the case. They need decent hay quality, pure grass, depending on the species of grass, can provide that, and a mixture of clovers or alfalfa and grass can do that very, very well. Um, so here's my top three things that, that if you are feeding hay that you should be looking for, and you should feel good because you nailed the first one. You should not feed moldy hay to your to your animals. So that's a real simple step one to do. As you're, as you got you're something point, right, Glenn. I did. Something right, Glenn. See, yes, I learned no. something in 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think that's a real simple thing to do because often those um, diseases that are causing that mold can produce material that can actually make your horses sick. And it's really dependent upon what that is, the plant that the mold's growing on, and the mold itself. Actually, if you ever heard of warfarin or coumarin, which is a blood thinner, that was actually discovered in Wisconsin from people that came to us with moldy hay. Um, uh, you know, really? actually, 
Yeah, my mother is actually wow. taking it right now. So it can actually thin the blood of your horses and cause all kinds of issues. So that's a real simple thing to do. As you're taking that bale of hay out and, and putting it in a feeder or spreading it on the ground, however you feed it, just be looking for some mold. If you see that mold, it's, it's not a good thing to feed. Now, they can tolerate small amounts of it, but I would say if you're seeing it consistently through hay, that's a, a sign that you shouldn't be um, feeding your hay. Okay. Okay, so that's one. Two, and this kind of gets at the whole concept of forage quality, particularly if you're feeding um, a lot of grasses, is you should be, as you're feeding that hay, be looking for forage, particularly those grasses, if they're mature. And what do I mean by that? Do they have seed heads present and seeds are kind of coming off in the hay? And so why should you be concerned about feeding mature forage? Well, as forage matures, those grasses, and if you're feeding alfalfa or clover mature, their forage quality goes down, and it goes down dramatically to where it's not really nearly as valuable uh, as it typically would be. So if you're seeing a lot of seed heads on your grasses, that's probably an indication that 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 quality of that forage is low, and you're going to have to feed something else to your animals to, to you know, make sure that they're nice and happy. Huh. So do okay. you see often see seed heads in your forage when you feed it or your hay? We don't, I, but I do know what you're talking about. In the past, we've uh, had that problem, and it's basically – and a lot of times that will happen on years when it's extra rainy um, and the farmers haven't had a chance to get their you know, hay in till late. Um, when it actually goes to seed. And that's a lot of times when you'll see it is, is weather-related and the farmers just haven't gotten to it. Yep, and I think that's, that's just reality of farming and, and them getting to it, too. You know, it's tough to get that stuff out of the field in rainy years sometimes. So sometimes you don't have a lot to say, but if you're there so looking at fine it's, hay... And it's not bad for them. It, it's not bad for them. It just doesn't have the nu- nutrient value that uh, before it goes to seed. You got it. You got it. Yep, that's absolutely right, too. So lower lower nutrient quality, you might have to supplement with, with something other with a little bit more protein in it in particular, too. Okay. Um, but, you know, a lot of times that's out of our control. When you're buying that hay, that's the time to be looking at, looking for that. So that's number two. And then the third one, which I, is – go ahead. I'm sorry. Can I ask a question about that real quick? So I've always wondered this. When I do throw the hay – onto the pasture, like we have grass pastures, and I throw the hay and I see all the seeds come down. Will those seeds germinate in my pasture, or is it just, are they, like, toasted because they've already been dried? Um, no, in many cases, depending on the, the species, they will actually germinate in your pasture. So that's a really good question and a really good point. So if it's forage species, like, say, red clover or something like that seed that's going down there, yeah, it could, that could be a really good, but if it's a weed species like a foxtail or something you don't want, that's not such good a good thing. So I think, I always, you know. I always thought it was like free grass seeds. Like, here you go, free grass. <laughs> yep. Planting it in my pasture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think in some cases you can get some benefits. Grass seed is pretty cheap, though, in general, though. If you really want to improve your pasture, it's probably better to buy some grass seed versus relying on the hay, because who knows what that is and and, uh, what the quality of that seed is. But that's a great question. Great question. All right. Number three. Okay. So the third one is is, is, tends to be quite a bit harder, but really what it comes down to is inspecting that hay for two things. Weed species. So again, the definition of a weed is a plant you don't want growing there. 
Um, so not a not that forward species that you want, and sometimes that can be really tough to identify, or an insect. And so usually when you see insects in your hay, that's usually a bad sign that there's something going wrong there too. Uh, the other thing uh, I, I'm going to add another thing to that, and that's dead animals and snakes. I just <laughs> throw that in there because I've been down that road before. I hate opening a yep. bale of hay and there's a dead snake in there. It's like oh. <laughs> I've actually experienced that as well for a plant person, and that's actually a great third third uh, addition to there. Yeah. Now, weeds can be hard to identify, too, and, um, you know, I think my recommendation is, you know, the, what weed species are common in your area can vary dramatically. Check with your local county extension agent um, or your other representative, maybe who you're buying that hay from if you're going to a feed store, to ask what weeds you need to be worried about. A lot of your weeds, and if you guys have pastures have seen it, actually are pretty desirable forage. Many of the broadleaf weeds like lamb's quarter, common ragweed, many of the horses will eat and have pretty good forage quality. There's just a couple, a handful usually in each region that we're really worried about, and those are generally because they're poisonous or toxic plants. Right. Okay. And, yeah. and really, you know, the, the, the toxic plants, you know, in the upper Midwest are going to be a lot different than Florida than out in the West. You know, you can get online and see a top 10 list of poisonous plants for horse owners, and it's just going to be very regional specific. And so you need to be worried about that a little bit. One warning I will say, though, particularly for urban past, uh, horse owners, is that many of our landscape plants tend to be very toxic to our horses. So don't be throwing clippings from your yard into your pasture, letting your animals feed on that, unless you're certain that those aren't toxic plants. You know, I, I, you shouldn't be taking the clippings from your yard and feeding it to your horse anyway. It's not good for your horse to begin with. But um, uh, one of the things that, you know, I've opened up uh, hay bales before and seen black leaves uh, mm-hmm. and that really jump out at you. Is the color, you know, color things like that, is that something that could be completely harmless and it's just, you know, after it died to turn black? Or is it something I should be, you know, aware of? Well, so usually what the what's, what that is, is that's actually a disease that's turned it black. And it's probably an indication that when they harvested it and put it in that bale of hay, it was wet, it was too wet, and so that's some, some mold or some other type of a fungus. And some of those funguses can be um, totally harmless, and some can be toxic at certain levels. And so, again use the rule of thumb of if there's just a little bit of it here and there, I wouldn't worry about it. But if you're seeing, you know, it really common in 10 or 20%, you know, that's probably something you don't want to be feeding to your animals. What, what's or the, you should get it checked out. What's the most common weed that is a problem for horses, that, that horses will eat and is a problem? Is there one that really stands out? Well, again, it's it's pretty regionally specific, but I think foxtails are a really good example. We have several foxtail species. You go to a different part of the region of the U.S., and there'll be a different foxtails. But foxtails can be a problem because they have low quality, so they're not really good quality. And one of the other issues that they um, they have is they have low palatability, so the horses don't like to eat it, um, and so they won't use that whole bale of hay. And then the third issue is is if they have seed heads present. They can actually get pricked in the eyes, and we can get an increase in incidence of things like pink eye and things like that, too. So that's a real common one that I would be concerned about um, um, just because of those multitude of issues. But really, it's specific to the region. So if you're in Florida versus you're in the Midwest or out west, 
um, you know, it's going to be a whole different slew of species you need to watch out for. We have a problem with oleander, not in the hay, but a lot of people have oleander plants out here. And um, it, it's, it's, they're pretty common. And I, was, I had heard that one or two leaves could kill a horse. Is that true? That is absolutely correct. And one of the problems with oleander is the animals like to eat it. Even cows and, and besides horses will preferentially eat it. And so that's really a concern that, uh, that you should be aware of is some of these ornamental plants. And that's why we just recommend not even feeding on it. Red maple is an example out in the, in the Midwest that we concern, are concerned about. Um, again, remember with toxic plants, the, it depends on how much of that toxic compound is in the plant. So things like oleander, one to two leaves, those are ones we really need to be careful about. Um, we have this tree species called box elder, and there's some other species that they have to eat like, you know, 10 or 20 pounds of it to get sick. And so understanding how much they can tolerate is really, really important. So where do you have a website uh, there for the University of Wisconsin that people can find resources? Or do you have a uh, website that you would recommend? Yeah, we have a couple of websites. Um, I think probably the best website for in Wisconsin to, to do is if they just get in their Google uh, or whatever their web browser and search for just Wisconsin Weed Science, they can get to my website pretty easily. And then if they have some concerns, we actually have a uh, group called Team Forage that looks at forage issues and has lots of information on animals, and particularly horses and forage issues, so they can look at that website as well. So those are probably the two options, and any Internet browser and search engine should pop them up real easily. Very good. Well, thank you for joining us today, Dr. Mark Rentz, Assistant Professor at the University of Wisconsin, the weed scientist. I love that. I would well, have that thank you very much. I would have that really big on my card if I was a weed scientist. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. If you want to listen to more tips on all sorts of topics for horse folks, you can stop by horsetipdaily.com and click on, click on the topics drop-down menu on the left. And if you love listening to the Horses in the Morning Gang putting in their two cents on all things horse, you can tune in every weekday at horsesinthemorning.com for fascinating interviews, news stories from around the world, clever contests, and general horsey hijinks. You can have all of your Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our new free app for iPhone and Android. Just go to your app store and search for Horse Radio Network. And don't forget to support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily, because they really do make this podcast possible. Today's podcast has been brought to you through the generous support of EquestrianCollections.com. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.